because I'm a degenerate sports better. <laughs> uh, that's that's my true love is is better. You're, you're in good company. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Peekaboo, you fuck you. I see you, you motherfucker. Do you want to talk or do you want to bet? We had two bags of grass, 75 pellets of mescaline, five sheets of high powered water acid, a salt shaker half full of cocaine, a whole galaxy of multicolored uppers, downers, screamers, lappers, also a quarter tequila, quarter rum. Case of beer, find a raw ether, two dozen in Counting cards is a foolproof system. It's also illegal. It's not illegal, it's frowned upon, like masturbating on an airplane. I'm pretty sure that's illegal too. Yeah, maybe after 9-11 where everybody gets sensitive. Thanks a lot, Bin Laden. Hey, what's up, guys, and welcome back to Vegas Confessions, episode 39. Today we have a real special treat for you as we got to interview a casino manager. And of course, we had to pick his brain about day-to-day operations, how he handles cheaters, to even how tribal casinos differentiate from the big boys of Las Vegas. Also, what the future looks like for California and sports betting, and so much more. We didn't get through most of our questions, because of course you guys know us, we like to chat a lot and shoot the shit back and forth. And this turned out to be a really good interview. The real good thing I liked about this is, Vince, who was the casino manager who came on, was very generous, had a good time, and also mentioned, you know, if Listeners have more questions down the road. I'd love to have the opportunity to come on and answer them. So we might have a reoccurring segment with this guy. So of course, I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Kelly and Eric. I'm Julian. Excited to do this. And man, just let me say, it baffles me the people we come across and we get to meet just doing this podcast. So again, I enjoyed the interview. I know Vince did, and I know my two co-hosts did. If there's something we missed, do us a favor. Send it to us through social media, Vegas Confessions Pod on Twitter and Facebook, or shoot us an email, vegasconfessionspod at gmail.com. And we'll make sure when we have him on next time, we'll ask him some questions. That being said, let's get into the interview. Enjoy, guys. Well, we are back and we have a very awesome opportunity to sit down and have a chat with the table games manager at a casino. We are excited because we have so many questions. We did get quite a few questions through Twitter this week as well when we put it up this week. Hey, no show, but we have a chance to talk to a casino table games manager and they started coming in. So I've had the opportunity to chat back and forth with this guy and had the pleasure of joking and bullshitting with him. And so I knew he'd be perfect for the podcast. And of course, he reached out like, hey, If you guys ever have questions and stuff, I'd be more than happy to come on. So again, Vince, thank you, brother. Appreciate you coming on, man. How you doing? Thank you guys for having me. I'm doing good. Good. So we wanted to ask a few questions and, you know, have you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and, you know, how long you've been doing this and what your day-to-day kind of looks like. Okay. So I grew up in New Jersey. My dad was the consummate Italian degenerate gambler. Okay. <laughs> um, he was taking me to Yonkers and the Meadowlands and everything like that since I probably as soon as I could walk, he was grabbing me and taking me with him. And about four years old, he tells me to pick a couple horses. Um, I guess he does a, a bet with the horses that I give and it, it hits and it hits for like a grand or whatever. 
and he gives me like a couple hundred bucks and his friends are telling him, you know, let the kid pick some more horses, you know, whatever, you know, when somebody wins, everybody jumps on. So that's like the earliest I can remember gambling. Well, my parents get a divorce. I move out to California and I'm in college. I'm working at a gas station and a local casino opens up where they have table games. Well, my dad had always showed me like cards and stuff like that, you know, um, you know, when you play blackjack at the kitchen table or whatever, you know, just playing for pennies or peanuts or matches or whatever. And I started going in there and, you know, I'm a college kid. I don't have a lot of money, but it was fun. You know, I take, you know, 50 bucks, try to make a hundred or, you know, something like that. Well, I started getting to know the dealers and the management team that was there. And it just sort of morphed into this, you know what, you need to try out. And I was like, what do you mean try out? And they were like, well, you can go to the local college here and enroll in the class. They'll teach you how to deal and we'll hire you. I'll tell you right now, we'll hire you. Well, the place had only been open for like two months, but I got to know everybody that good. That's how much I was nice. going in there. So I went to the local college. It was a three unit class and it was $11 a unit. So I basically got into this business for $33. Wow. <laughs> Um, it was accredited course. Uh, I was already enrolled in the college, so it was it was just like an added little thing. And 19 years later, I'm a manager of the department. So it's just gone. I dropped out of college. The money was good enough that I didn't need it anymore. I mean, I shouldn't say I didn't need it. I, I, I still got the degree or want the degree and everything, but just the money grabs a hold of you, man, and it just doesn't let you go in the beginning, you know, when you're a dealer and you're making tips. And the good thing was is we didn't pool. We yeah. kept our own we kept our own tips. Well, that was a big difference because if I made four or five hundred dollars today, I went home with four or five hundred dollars. We weren't taxing it yet. We weren't anything. Like you literally whatever you made that day, you walked out of the casino with. That's nice. So there were days that were, I remember one, one week, my lowest one day was $1,100, my lowest day. So it was something like $11,000 in one week. And after that, oh, I, wow. they started talking to me about, you know, moving up already and stuff. And I'm like, why am I going to college? <laughs> At the time, I was thinking of either doing, being a teacher or possibly being a lawyer. Well, lawyer, you know, there's some money in it if you get into the right thing, but you're looking at you know, 10 years from now is when I'll even graduate, you know? So, and then the other part of it was, okay, I can maybe be a teacher or something like that. Well, you know, teachers don't make anything here. It is. I have an $11,000 week and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and invest a little more time into this. And I just started, I don't know. I just started getting into more. I would question my management team or my four supervisors, you know, why did you do this? Why did you do that? And I just started learning that way. And like I said, here I am 19 years later and a manager in the department. You know, there's only five of us. So, I mean, it's a pretty exclusive little club, I guess is the best way to put it. You know, it's pretty hard to get into management. So I'm, I'm pretty proud of myself. Um, yeah, it's just a long, twisted, had no intentions of getting into it kind of story. I don't, I don't know. It was very weird the way it all played out. Wow. Very cool. So what, what does your day to day look like today for the most part? Um, for the most part, it is just controlling the flow of the pits, where the dealers go next, scheduling management, where I, I tell them, okay, we're going to open this at this time. You sort of gauge the crowd of the casino. You know, if it's very slow, maybe I won't open an extra pit or I'll send dealers home. 
Um, we have this thing called an early out, which is when dealers come in, they can put their name on the list. It's uh, basically telling us, you know, if it gets kind of slow, I want to get the hell out of here. And so we just go in order. It's a rotating order. So I gauge that. So actually, the higher up that you go, the less casino interaction you actually have. Like mine is all scheduling now, vacation day. You know, I want to take a vacation this day. We do a lot of evaluations on the dealers and, and the floor staff. We do. Basically, I'm in the office doing paperwork until somebody calls me and says, hey, somebody out here lost their fucking mind. Come out here. Okay. And then I go out there and I deal with the people. And then, you know, so like I'm looking more at the numbers, you know, what was our total take yesterday? What was our drop? You know, Um, so there's a lot of little things. But until something major happens in the pit, you're really not interacting like you used to. The higher up you get, the further away from the pit you get. Vince, are you considered the pencil? Uh, No, because the pencil would be more of the – I tell the pencil what to do kind of. I guess would be the best way to put it because the middle of the uh, the pit is sort of controlling the flow of everything. You know, somebody got sick. Somebody fainted. We need to rearrange this. We need to pull a person, put them over here. Um, Our casino is set up a lot differently than a a lot of other casinos in that – we open and we go in a specific rotation. So I'm not going to all of a sudden say, hey, there's a high roller in our high limit area. Let's get a pretty girl over there. Pull her off of this table and put her. We don't do that. It, we just rotate through and that's that. So there, there's no real rearranging other than um, what is the original rotation, I guess is the best way to put it. So. When I approach an empty table and I see, you know, maybe the minimum is higher than what we would have expected, and I say to the floor, if you could just lower the minimum, uh, you know, I can fill the table for you, and he picks up the phone to call somebody. Is he calling somebody in your position? Yes, he's calling me. Got it. Okay. Um, But in general, for us, just so people know, so I, I work for a tribal gaming casino so we're not the corporate harris caesars anything like that so we do a lot of things to our own beat like we don't have to answer to corporate or anything like that now i do have to answer to directors and the administration of our casino i can pretty much run things how i want and unless there's a major issue that i can't answer but in general i don't have to talk to anybody i can pretty much just run it how i I need to is the best way to put it. Now, coming to us, our tables, the minimum that you're going to find is $10. It'll, it'll never be below that. I don't care if you tell me you have 50 people with, you know, thousands of dollars, but we want a $5 table. I'm not being a jerk, but just statistics show you a $5 table. It's not worth it. It's, it's very hard for us to grind it out with that. So we've found statistically that a $10 table it's fairest to you guys and also fairest to us where we both have a shot of we're not going to sit here for $12 and one of us is up $10 or I'm sorry, 12 hours and one of us is up for, you know, $10, $20. One of us is going to make a move either way. So as much fun as we want you guys to have, it still is a business. So that that's, you know, I, I wish I could give people everything they ask for, but sometimes it's just not in the best interest. And I have to protect our assets at the same time. So I I know it sucks because I'm the evil empire. And I I know that, you know, like I said, growing up, I was always on your guys' side of the table. So I get it. 
I don't know. It's it, it's just it's a weird thing. You like, still got to make your business. There's money. very fine lines where I have to make that right. Exactly. Right. I, I have to say, OK, what's best for the players that they're going to have a good time and they're going to stick around. But what's also best for us that we're not going to waste anybody's time, ours or yours. So, well, I, I promise you, I've never asked for a reduction at a ten dollar minimum, you know, but at, at the larger corporate joints, you know, you will see, you know, based upon whatever data they have right now it's a $50 minimum and nobody's playing and if we brought it down to a quarter we could fill the table and now that me personally I would be chewing some ass right because if I'm walking by my pit which you know I said that I'm I'm far I still go to the pit and I still gauge things you know I make sure are my floors doing what they need to or whatever now if I go out there and there's a $50 table and it's sitting dead I'm going to ask my my floor supervisors, you know, how long has it been? If they tell me, oh, three minutes, this guy just got up, I'm going to let it go for 10, 15 minutes. 10, 15 minutes, I come back by, that table's still dead. It better be $25 or less. Like, right. it better be going the other way. And and in general, my floor supervisors, they know that, you know. And But at the same time, if I walk by the pit and my Spanish 21s, all three tables, there's no open seats and there's people standing behind all of them waiting to get in and the table's still sitting at $10, I'm going to chew ass that way. That table better start climbing. Right. So, yes, I do. I do gauge, you know, a a dead spread doesn't make me anything, even if it's 50, you know, if it's a $50 table and one guy comes up, if I can get seven $10 players on there going hands per minute, I'd probably rather have the $10. You know what I mean? Just in general. I think that's pretty much common sense. Right. And I'm wondering if, you know, how you mentioned that you're able to kind of run the show and do what you need to do, whereas other people that we've spoken to that work for uh, large corporate mm-hmm. um, casino companies, they don't have that same autonomy, right? right. So they, they have numbers that they have to keep to. Otherwise, you know, if they're stepping out of line, they have to, they have to answer to it. Right. Exactly. Right. And, and, you know, so it's there's pros and cons for us because I can pretty much run the show how it needs to be run. But I also have the top, top guys that know me directly by name. They're not in some office 3000 miles away. Like I need to answer to these guys right here. And if I need to get my ass chewed, all they do is come right down the stairs and say, hey, what the hell? So there's good and bad. You know, th- there's good that they trust me enough and I do have the autonomy to to go with it how I need to. But I'm also right there when things go the other way as well. So there, there's give and take to it. Can you think of any examples where, you know, just being around the business, you were able to make changes or make a decision um, that worked out well that uh, may not have been the case otherwise? Um, meaning the gaming itself or meaning like moving tables around, rearranging you know, the pits like this game isn't doing us any good in that pit, move it over here, that type of thing. Yeah. And and well, anything. Right. So, I mean, if it's the actual uh, flow of the floor or if it's anything related to gaming, you know, just something that you bring to the table that you just know, because a lot of times we see things and we think like like whose whose idea was that? Right. <laughs> so it, it might be you. Right. You might be the guy who had the idea and it might be moving one table from one area to another. And why? Like what what are the things that you do or have done that make a difference, even if it's just on a spreadsheet back in your office that uh, players or listeners to this show wouldn't think mattered? 
Well, I, I mean, there's stupid little things that, that people wouldn't think of. We have pillars that are on our casino floor that are actually driving me crazy right now because we have, um, you know, there's the blackjack games where everybody, um, where the dealer's standing and, and, the, and the players are sitting. But we also have what they call sit-down games, which are the lower blackjack tables where the dealer's sitting and the black, uh, blackjack players are sitting. And they have this one table that is driving me nuts. And right now I'm trying to get it moved because there's a pillar behind this table, but there's also slot machines. So on a Saturday night, when that table gets full, people can't walk. People can't move their chair in. They can't move it out. So it's stupid little things like that that you don't think takes management, but it does. It's like you have to call maintenance and say, look, we got to get this table moved to this other pit. Then you have to re redesign the pit because it has to be sort of an equal flowing type of pit where it's you know two on this side two on that side sort of an oblong circle it's very stupid little things like that that we have to deal with like right now we're looking at redesigning our dealers uniforms stuff like that what's attractive to people what's eye appealing to them to get them to say oh you know what, what what's this group of guys that are standing over here that are standing out and it's our dealers in their new uniforms so we're designing the color. I mean, you name it. It, it. It's it goes down to on the management side. There's so much detail. Even the look of our chips, we have to decide. We just upgraded all of our roulette chips because we wanted them to be more eye appealing, and we want people to walk by and go, "Oh, what's that shiny little round thing on that table?" Well, that's a five dollar chip, lady. Come on in here. <laughs> You know, that type of thing. So, I, I, I mean, it's it, there's everything from paperwork to why is Spanish 21 dying at the back of that pit? But the three over in this pit, we, we don't have an open seat. There's a lot of that um, type of evaluation and analysis where we're trying to figure out where is the best place for our Asian pit. It's very particular. Asian gamblers are very um, superstitious. Yeah. They like things a certain way. So you can't just open a pie gal table next to a baccarat table and it's up against a wall or what. There has to be a nice flow through through the in between the tables, because if there's not a good flow, it stops the spirits. I, I mean, there's wow. so much it's, little detail that I never knew getting into this business. Is that like a feng shui? I don't I don't yes, really know. Much exactly. Of, yeah. But it's on the degenerate gambling side of it. We don't care <laughs> yeah, where right. your couch is. But Love this it. mini box table doesn't need to sit over here. <laughs> Love it. Because the, and, and that's the whole thing. Like even back in the days with MGM, that was the whole lion's head thing right. and all that. That was all for the Asian gamblers. That was for nothing else. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of they they want the dealers to uh, pull the cards out of the shoe in a certain way. They want you to turn it over in a certain way. I mean, it, it's just so many details. When I first got into this business, I had no friggin clue. <laughs> So can you kind of walk us through how you circulate through the gaming tables to ensure everything's being ran smoothly, dealers following house rules, players not cheating and stuff like that? Well, that, that's a lot of the cheating and stuff. I'm relying on the eye in the sky right. and I'm relying on my floor supervisors. Now, that being said, I basically have three to four shifts that come in during my one shift. Okay. okay? So um, we stagger them out because as the night goes on, I, I'm a swing shift manager. So we have the busiest shift of the, of the whole casino. So every couple hours, we have a new shift of dealers that are coming in that I add to the existing group that's already there. So I'll use that group to get out the dealers that need to go home. 
and also get new tables open so I have the, the correct amount of tables open for the players. So what I do is before every shift comes in, I usually go out to the pit and I hang around for a little while. I take a look. I say, okay, look, Spanish 21, we have three tables open. We only have about a table and a half full of people. I might hold off on opening another Spanish for right now. And Pai Gao, I might have people standing. And my original intention wasn't getting pie, another Pai Gao open. But you know what? Looking at the crowd, now it's time. But while I'm there, I'm also standing behind dealers and I'm looking like, okay, is anybody capping or pinching their bed? Is the dealer you know, on the up and up? Um, if I think anything's a little shady, I'll call the surveillance and I'll tell them, hey, save the tape. I want to come up and look at this, you know, stuff like that. Okay. So I try to do that before every shift comes out. And like I said, I have on average three shifts that come in during my one shift. So about every two, two and a half hours, I'll be out in the pit and I'll be taking a look at things. I'll talk with my floors, you know, hey, is there anybody that's in a good amount? Is there anybody losing big, winning big? Has there been any dealer issues? Are you seeing anything that something didn't sit right with you, you saw a dealer do something and you sort of got the crooked eye, like what the hell did I just see? But I don't know exactly what it was, you know, that type of thing. So I'm talking to them. Then I'll go back in. I'll get the next crew. I'll come out with them. I'll make sure everything opened up correctly. Then I'll go back in the office, do all the paperwork bullshit for a couple for an hour or so, mm -hmm. see where our numbers are at. And then I do it all again. And then I'll come back out in a couple hours and I'll do everything again. Okay. So since you brought up the topic of surveillance, is it true? Are the people that work in surveillance unknown at the casinos? That's just something I've heard in the past a few um, times. Let me see. I know them, right. but my floor staff doesn't okay. know them. Okay. So they have okay. their own entrance to a casino. They have their own parking. They have their own everything. Interesting. Uh, there, okay. There's a door that only they use. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You have any questions? Um, that's, why, oh. that's why, Jay, I was tripping out on that thing where um, – $140 cigarette that you paid for, <laughs> um, where, where you said that they took you in the t to the surveillance room and they, you know, were showing you or whatever. That would never, ever happen in my casino. They don't want you in the surveillance room because they don't want you to know what we can see. Right. Like, we don't want you to see the angle or coverage of anything that under any have. circumstance. Right. Okay. So... Interesting story. I thought of this last night, babe. You remember one time we were playing? Uh, we were playing like Spanish or something. And we were playing with a couple friends who we played with a couple times at this particular casino. And it was his birthday. And check this out, Vince. I don't know if you remember this, babe, but watch this. So we were playing Spanish and the security comes up to him and tells him, Hey. Oh, yeah. You're, you're 86 from this casino. Yeah, right? And, he, and he's like, no, man. It's, it's actually... It's actually over with. And he's like, they're like, no, we actually, and we're like, hey, man, it's his birthday. We're having a good time. They're like, no. You're on a you, list. You 80, yeah, you, you're on the list. You 86 yourself from this property. And so they end up coming over, sending a couple security guards over, and they end up telling him, you know, he had to leave. But he ended up making it clear that it was a six-month ban. Self-ban. Yeah, he that he did him, himself. Can you get into a little more of the way the bans work and the way that stuff plays out? That one was a self-ban? Yes. Yes. Okay, so for us, a self-ban, um, that's somebody that feels, you know, they have a gambling problem. Mm -hmm. They need to kick themselves out. Um, we do six months, three months, a year, five years, or lifetime. Oh, okay. If 
at any time you self-ban yourself, even if it's for a month, three months, whatever, you still have to come, even when that time is over, you still have to come and petition to us to, that you want to come back. Uh, it's uh, not just it's now, over when your time okay. frame is no, over. No, you don't just say, okay, it should end on May 30th, I'll walk in. Right. In general, we have you petition and say, you know, I, I feel better. I don't feel that, you know, gambling's got a hold on me. Whatever the reason may be where, you know, I miss you guys even. I, I've <laughs> even heard that. I, I miss coming to see my family. Yeah. In general, it's not really a petition, but you need to come and you need to talk to the security or whoever happens to be in charge of our uh, banning program, I guess is the best way to say it. And you would just say, okay, I'm ready to come back now or whatever. That might all it be, all it may be. And the one that's in charge of that might go, okay, you're good to go. And then they'll send out an email to us, uh, slots, surveillance, security, everything else. Now, there have been people, when I say petition, I guess I mean that more for the people that are doing the three, five, or lifetime bans. Okay. Because those are people that realize, look, I've dumped my whole mortgage in this fucking place. Mm -hmm. My wife left me. My kids don't talk to me anymore. I've seen people come back a year later and go, you know what? I don't have my kids and I don't have my wife and I don't have my house anyway. Fuck it. Let me gamble. Depending on what your answer, you know, if you present it that way, we're probably still going to tell you, <laughs> no, you still have a problem. But I'm saying if you came to us and you, you know, said the right things in the right way, you know, hey, you know, I got a handle on it. I'm good to go. I made some stupid mistakes. Can I come back? That's up to whoever's in charge of the bands. Like I said, our band program, um, even though you say a lifetime ban or a three-year ban or a five-year ban, in general, most people come back at some point. But we don't. if you look like you're strung out and your skin's itching because you don't have a $5 chip in your hand, we're still going to extend – we're going to – uh, keep the band going. We're not just going to say, okay, you're good to go. Come on back. You know, uh, you do have to look like you're in control of your shit. Right. Are there, are there, what are reasons that your casino would ban people on their end? Not like a, you know, a customer's self ban. Well, we just had a player actually the other night come in and call one of my four supervisors, a fat asshole. Oh, <laughs> And then came back in the next night and beat the shit out of his wife in the parking no lot. Way. No, that sucks. So yeah. he he was a cool guy. He was one of the coolest, yeah. you know, no issue type players until you put a drink in his hand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so the gambling wasn't the problem. It was actually the alcohol was the problem. And the minute he had a drink or two, he became Mr. Hulk. He was very abusive to both his wife and to us. We actually saw him yelling at his wife the night before on the casino floor, like literally rage yelling, not just normal husband and wife type yelling. The next day I got a call and they said, hey, the sheriffs are looking for you. And I was like, the sheriffs? I was like, what, what did I do? <laughs> and they're like, no, they need your email. They want to send you a picture of this guy. He just punched his wife in the face out in the parking lot and shattered her face. Wow. So they sent me a picture in there and it ended up being the same guy. So that guy, I can guarantee you will probably never, I would say 99% never step foot in our casino again. It, that's a be if he even doesn't go to jail for five years right. or whatever it may be to begin with. That's an extreme case. But what we may do, like, let's say he didn't punch his girlfriend and call my employee a fat asshole. What we might do is say, you're more than welcome in here. You're not allowed to drink. 
Okay. We may do that type of stuff where we'll get a hold of the food and beverage servers and we'll tell them, you know, he can have any soda, water, virgin drink there is, but he will not get any alcohol because the minute he gets alcohol, I'm going to chew your guys' ass and your your boss's ass, and then I'm going to end up kicking this guy out anyway. So there's a lot of different, I might kick you out for 24 hours, I might kick you out for 48 hours, I might kick you out for a month, a week. Okay. There's pretty much any time frame that I can kick you out for. In general, I have it down to, okay, if you do this, it's one day. If you do this, it's two days, that type of thing. But now if I'm telling you, that, hey, you're banned for two days, and they tell you, hey, go fuck yourself. You ain't kicking me out. Well, well guess what? Now you got a week. You right. want to keep going? It's literally like punishing your children. Right. Say another word, and I'm going <laughs> to give you another day. That's right. And it's literally that type of thing. I'm going to take your iPad away. <laughs> get the fuck out of my face. And our iPad is, you're not going to gamble here for another day. You want to keep going? Okay, let's go a week. You want to go again? Okay, we got two weeks now. And eventually they realize, hey, wait a minute, I can't come in here anymore. No, that's right. You have to go to the other casino. Have a good day. And then that's when they start coming. Hey, look, it just got a hold of me. I didn't mean to. I don't give a shit. You know, obviously you can't control it. And if I can't control you, then I need to get you out of here. How do you guys handle advantage players, card counters specifically, and general advantage play? We used to uh, cut out parts of the deck, that type of stuff. I'm more of a flat better. Mm-hmm. Um, if I know they're an advantage player, I'll come up to them and I'll tell them, okay, Mr. Smith, it's come to our understanding. And, and like I said, I have a lot of friends in Vegas, so I can get a hold of them and I can say, hey, are they, is this guy on your list? Mm-hmm. And they'll say, yeah, you know, he's a known advantage player. Believe it or not, you can Google somebody. And a lot of times it'll come up that they're, you don't even need to contact, you know, the black book that everybody's so famous for Mm -hmm. you can pretty much google a guy's name now and it'll come up saying hey he's a known advantage player in maryland (laughs) really um but what i'll do is i'll come up to him and i'll say okay here's the deal um you're going from five dollars to five or ten dollars to five hundred dollars i'm not stupid i know what you're doing you know what you're doing whatever your next bet is is what your bet will be the rest of the night on every table because that's the advantage right is the bet size and everything like that Mm -hmm. So what I'll do um, is I'll just tell them whatever your next bet is on however many. If you play three hands at $15, every table you go to will be three to three hands and $15. And okay. usually that's enough for them to go, OK, have, I'm going to go ahead and have a I'm going to go ahead and take off. And we'll say, OK, have a good night. That's usually all it takes. Some of them put up a stink and everything else. But in general, an advantage player doesn't want to put up a stink. They want to get in and out right. as covert as possible. So they'll just look at me. They'll shake my hand. They'll say, okay, thank you. And they walk out. They do it as quietly and peacefully as you can imagine. They don't want that attention drawn to themselves because tomorrow they might wear a hat and a mustache and they don't want everybody in the place looking at them. They might be able to get away with it again tomorrow for a little bit. Right. So they, in general, they leave easier than any person I have to kick out. An advantage player is usually the easiest one to get them to leave. So other than card counters, are there any other techniques or um, general advantage play that you have at the top of the list that you're looking for? Most of it is pinching and capping. Uh, Pinching is, uh, for those that don't know, it's when you have, you know, let's say you have a $50 bet out there and a guy gets a 16 and the dealer has a 10 up and the dealer goes back to 
their hand and all of a sudden they have $25 bet. Like $25 magically disappeared. Right. And in reverse, capping would be you have a $25 bet, you have a 20, the dealer has a six up, the dealer goes back to that hand and all of a sudden there's $75 on there. In general, those are the biggest ones because in our casino, we've taken, um, we don't do the pitch uh, dealing. In general, other than our carnival games, you really don't have, uh, the players aren't really holding the, the cards. So in general, we don't have to worry too often about marking the cards, et cetera. So most of our uh, uh, issues that I have to look for is the dealers in cahoots with the player and pinching and capping. Um, now, obviously, there are instances where, you know, cards have been marked or whatever. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but you guys do know that's why the discard racks are the color they are, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because yeah. I'm surprised how many people actually don't know that you know that's why it's that red or or whatever um it, it'll bring up the markings on i can look at the discard rack on my side inside the pit i can tell if the cards have been marked you know unless it's like a fingernail or something like that uh fingernail marking um but if they've marked it like with a pen or anything like that that's how i'll catch them to answer your question eric our place there's very little handling of the cards by the players so um most of ours is players stealing from each other <laughs> dealers in cahoots with the, the the players or just the pinching and capping in, in general so so just to give you uh, i guess an example i was at a uh, casino a chain casino recently and the players uh blackjack bet was not fluctuating with the count but they had the lucky lady side bet mm-hmm. and that side bet was fluctuating with the count and i mean uh, fluctuating uh, to a large degree to the point where I just sat there and smiled. Like I knew what he was doing <laughs> there, there had, you know, at some there point somebody was going to, right. Well, I mean, I'm counting along with him, but I'm not taking advantage of it. Nobody said anything to him. I sat with him for well, close to four hours. And there were times where he had a table minimum blackjack bet with the maximum Side, side bet. bet for the lucky ladies. <laughs> right. Like, like, I mean, uh, to me, this was like blatant, right? Like, uh, there's no way somebody yes. doesn't know what he's doing, but nobody, nobody said anything. Can you think of a rationale why, you know, the side bet would be left alone uh, as long as he was, you know, I mean, he was basically flat betting table minimum for the, um, you know, for the base hand, but all the fluctuation was on the lucky ladies. The only thing I could think of would be, it's inexperience of the floor staff and the dealer. Um, they're trained so much to look for the fluctuations in the main bet, but nobody ever thinks of the side bets. And that's the literally the only thing I could think of is it, the guy had the count in his favor, but the staff wasn't experienced enough to, well, he's only betting $15 over the air. Yeah, asshole, but he's got 175 bet on the queen. Doesn't that's that tell exact, you something? That's, exact, that's exactly <laughs> right, right. And I mean, it's the, it's and, the exact and I don't same count that you're assholes, looking for. Just so you know. <laughs> or or right, fat exactly. assholes for that point, right? So, uh, right. And actually, I, yeah. actually, you're probably costing us more money because now you're getting odds on the queen. Correct. You know, you know, my worst case scenario is you're getting time and a half on the blackjack um, card counter. But I might, you know, get what, 40 to one or whatever on the queen. (laughs) Sure. And but they're so locked into. Well, yeah, but his regular bet was 15. Mm -hmm. Are you fucking kidding me? Right. right. (laughs) So like sometimes you just look at them and you're like, 
you just stare at them and you're waiting for their <laughs> light bulb to go off. Like you're just looking at their you don't say a word, you just look at their face until they go, Oh shit. <laughs> and then you're like, There it is. There we go. You got it now. But you'd be surprised how locked in they that they're just they're trained from the very beginning that you're just looking at the main betting circle. Do you, and that's do you think just some that, dealers to me, I would be more angry at my four supervisors than I would the dealer, because to me, that means you're not training these people. Right. right. But do you think some you're, dealers might be more apt to also let it go if they're being tipped really well off of those wins? Oh, yes. Oh, definitely. That's a daily occurrence for me. Right. If you're tipping, you'll get away with more stuff with right. the dealer than anything else. Right. So when I told you before that every couple hours I come out into the pit and I check on things or whatever, that's one of the things I'm looking for. Who's tipping? Who are they tipping? You know, if I have a, a player, the way that we work is every so many minutes, our dealers will rotate to the next table in the rotation. Well, if I see that this guy's tipping this pretty girl, and she goes to the next table. He colors up on that table, goes to the next table and follows her. <laughs> right away, my radar is, okay, is he trying to get laid or is he trying to get paid? <laughs> okay. Why, why he, can't it be both? It, well, <laughs> it, it, sometimes it is. But I'm just right. saying, as a manager, that's where my radar went up where I'm like, okay, is he just totally in love with this girl or is something going on? And I'll stand there and I'll watch for a couple minutes. And if I have to leave, I'll call my floor supervisor over and I'll say, hey, Keep your eye on this. This is what I'm looking for. You know, he's following her around. He's tipping her. Tell me why. Is he in love with the girl or is something going on? And then in about 15, 20 minutes, whenever I get a free minute, uh, I'll call the pit and I'll say, hey, you seeing anything? What's going on? That type of stuff. You definitely get away with more when you're tipping. Now, does that mean that you're raping the game and the secure the game security is gone? No. But, you know, uh like when we double down in our casino, we double down face up. If yeah. a guy's right. tipping a player, uh, if a guy's tipping a dealer and they're making good money and everybody's having a good time, I don't see an adva any advantage play. Everybody's just having a good time. And the guy's got $100 bet or whatever, and he's got 20 out for the dealer, whatever it may be. And he says, hey, can I get it face down? You know what? Hell yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> right, right. Okay. You're having a good time. They're having a good time. I don't see anything shady. Have a good time. I don't care. Now, if you're betting $10 a hand and you're stiffing everybody and you're stacking the dollar and $2 toke chips up and you're not tipping anybody, hey, can I get it face down? Nope. No, we don't <laughs> fucking do that here. <laughs> I like that. Let's go. So, yeah. You know what I mean? So definitely you, you get, you know, you, you get a lot more, hey, you know, do you need a drink? Do you need to go eat? Do you, if you're taking care of my dealers, I'm taking care of you. Right. Okay. okay. As long as it's on the up people. and up. Right. Right. As okay. long as it's on the up and up. That that's my big thing. Laid or paid. Which one's which one are they trying to do? And you'd be, you would be surprised, Kelly, how many women are hitting on it ain't just women dealers anymore. It's the guy dealers that are getting hit on. There's a cougar alert like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> so it, it's it's very weird now. Like it, it's not like when I first got in. You know, we tried to hire as many pretty women as we could. Now it's everybody. Like it, it's everybody is just having a good time is all I want. Just tip away, have a good time, drink, have a couple drinks, go home. Everybody's had a good time. Nice. So I have a Twitter question that came in this week. Since we were on the subject of card counters, not not saying you are in particular, Vince, just why are casinos so mean to card counters sometimes? 
why are we upset because they're card counting. Yes. In blackjack, the house edge is so small right. that it doesn't take much for you to really get ahead. So, you know, we're giving you an open, honest game. Now, people can debate the odds and everything else, and the house is always going to win and everything like that. But at the same time, we've given you everything in the out and open. We're right. not going to sneakily take your money. It was your choice to come in. It was your choice to gamble at our odds at, you know, some places have six to five. We have three to two. You know, why people are playing six to five, I don't know. <laughs> but in general, the, the the house edge is so small that we, we, we just can't. Right. Like, we cannot allow it because, you know, if a $10 player is card counting, which is, I doubt it. You know, people at ten dollars, yes, they could be card counting, but they're just starting their their training themselves. Right. They're still learning. In general, I'm losing and winning ten dollars to the guy next to him fair and square. But I'm losing and possibly winning five hundred dollars a hand with him cheating on the on the card counting. So that's why it, it it's a very quick snap decision of you know, if the if the count is right, you know, Eric's better at this type of stuff than than probably most people would sounds like from the podcast that I've listened to. If you're on a good run in 10 minutes, you can clean out that rack. Right. If the count is really in your favor and you're betting, you have the right bet going and everything else. So I, I wouldn't say upset in the in the terms of mad. I'm upset in. Why did nobody catch this? Right. Why, why am I the only one seeing this? And I have to stop this. I, I have to be forceful right from the beginning because I don't have time to hem and haw. Because in the time that I'm hemming and hawing, I just got cleared out. Right. If that okay. sort of makes sense. No, you perfect, know? perfect. I like it. Um, and like I said, the casinos are, very, are open and honest in, you know, we don't lie to you and say, oh, you know what? The, the, the odds aren't in your favor. We're going to stick it to you. You know, we're very open. Um, you can research it. You know what the statistical odds are. It's not hard to Google. Right. What's my advantage? What, you know, what what is my uh, edge here? You know, what's the house's edge? There's nothing that we do under the table. So mm -hmm. the minute that players are starting to do it, you know, we, we have to end it as quick as possible. Do I hate you? No. I right. think you're brilliant. I'd like to talk to you later on and tell me <laughs> how the hell you... You know, outside of the casino, I'd like to catch up with you and have a beer and talk to me and tell me what you're seeing. What what are the what are the advantages you're seeing? Is it just a card counting? Then I get it. But if you're seeing my dealers do something, right. I'd love to talk to you. What would you say, you know, a break in dealer who is in dental school and has a decision to make? What are they making? 60 to 80. Okay. Okay. And but you also have your medical and everything else. Yeah, yeah, no. I so I, I, I mean it. And for our area, sixty to eighty, you're doing good. That's right. Good. Yeah, and that's not that good. we're like poor and destitute, but sixty to eighty, it's it's a decent a value out here. And do your dealers okay. keep their own steel or do they pool? No, we we will never. It's been brought up a couple times, and I've fought against it every time because I've found that places that pool, the customer service just isn't there. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And. Um, if you're fighting for your own tips, you're giving the customers the best that you got. That's in general. right. Yeah. Now everybody has a bad day here and there, but if you're pooling, fuck it. I don't give a shit. The guy, the guy after me, he'll make it for me to, you know, later on. 
Right. I don't need to be nice to this guy. They're being nice over there. They'll make money over there. Right. I, I'm more of the take your own on tips and the pooling just because, like I said, just the customer service I've found really declines when everybody, you know, why am I busting my ass and I'm making the same amount as this guy that didn't yeah. smile or talk to anybody all night? Well, now guess what? Now tomorrow she's not smiling either. Right. And it just goes from there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, back when I was dealing, truthfully, I used to whip people's ass. I used to kill them. I used to take their money. I was a house dealer. You couldn't win with me. But you know what? I put on a show and I went home with money. People, it's not just about the money for people. They want to be entertained. Yes. They want to have a good time. They want if I'm if I'm killing you, but you're having a good time, I guarantee you I'm still making money. Awesome. And, and people think that, oh, you know, you lost a hundred dollars. Why why did you tip them? You know why? Because I had a good night out. It's no different than going to a movie and going to dinner or whatever. I had a good time. I broke even, whatever, and the dealer made 100 bucks. So what? And that's, that, that's how a lot of people yeah. say it, you, you know, in, in our place. So that's why I'm always more for voting to keep our, uh, our dealer tokes to each, each person. It's come up a couple times, and it's been voted down every time. So I, I hope to keep uh, fighting for that. So. But it comes up less and less because I, I think there's they're starting to see it. Like, you know, I've gone to places in Vegas where you can't find a smile in the place. Yes. You know, yes. and I hate it. Yeah, they're there. I, I hate time. it. You know, and when I when I go to gamble or whatever, I have to play stupid and act like I'm not in the business and you know, <laughs> oh, how do you tip for the dealer and stuff like that? You know? And sometimes I do it to see if a fucking dealer will lie to me. Yeah. And if they lie to me, then they're not getting tipped. Right. You know? Oh, you know, you put five dollars for you and twenty for me. I say what? Why <laughs> <laughs> not? You know, I so I, I I play dumb in a lot of places just to see what what people and if they're up and up, then okay, let's go, let's do this. You know, and as I'm winning, you're winning with me. And I'm a big karma person, which I didn't used to be before this business. <laughs> but I'm one of those. If you're winning and you're not tipping, I guarantee you, I'm going to have everything you have by the end of the night. But if you're tipping, you have a good chance of winning. I don't know why it is, but I've seen it over and over and over and over. It, you can you could be on a hell of a run, and you're not giving your dealer anything, and all of a sudden you go on this downside. But you start tipping. I've seen it the other way, where you're losing, losing, losing. You might throw a five dollar chip out there and play along with the dealer, and all of a sudden you get on a run and you're up five hundred dollars. I've never been a superstitious person. I still don't consider myself that, but there's something to it. I don't know what the hell it is. The same as the whole, um, you always win the first time. Yeah. I don't know why the fuck it happens, but every time you come out and you gamble for the first time, you're going to win because I got to get the hooks in you. Yeah. And I don't know how it happens, but it does. And it's not just the first time ever gambling. Like we might open a new carnival game, you know, three card poker, uh, six card bonus. I swear to God, the first day we opened that game, nobody could lose. (laughs) Nobody. We dumped the rack to people all night long. And then, you know what? After that, there was a line to the table and nobody could win. (laughs) (laughs) He gave it all back. Yeah, that's funny. Everybody. And that's the thing. That's the thing people ask me a lot of times also is, you know, oh, you know, I know you hated that they won or whatever. You know what? I really we, we have something called sweat the money. We don't sweat the money. Because you know what, Jay, if you win a thousand dollars today, guess where you're going tomorrow? I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, exactly right. Tomorrow. 
I, 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 so we have this don't sweat the money policy because it's going to come back, especially in our area because yes. we live in such a yes an isolated sort of area. There are casino, the, uh, was there five, six casinos around us, but they're a drive to get to each one. Mm-hmm. And it, but if you wanted our casino a thousand dollars last night, you're not going to the other ones. You're coming back to me because, man, this place is dumping. I got to get back there. Right. I got to go get so more. So I don't right. ever sweat the money. But I've been to, to some places where if you're up $100, they're ready to kick you out. Yeah. Like, it, it's it's weird. And and these people, they don't understand. Like, just let them take the $100. They're going to bring 150 back tomorrow. Very true. So, Vince, you've mentioned that your house is really kind of a, a let's say, lower middle class. Um, your patrons tend to be lower middle class. If... For example, somebody wanted to come out and visit their friends that live in the area and they were to uh, send front money and, you know, get, uh, I guess, get in touch with somebody at player development at your place. What type of action would make somebody attractive enough that, uh, you know, you would allow for some inducements to bring them in? Uh, so you're talking specifically where you know this is a two thousand dollar player type of hand, like like you're saying that. I'm not sure I'm understanding the question. Uh, so maybe maybe not that high. So I'm I'm equating what I assume your house is like. Uh, if I were to say, hey, listen, I'm gonna front. I'll wire ten thousand up front. I'll give you a minimum of a hundred a hand. Um, give you four hours a day. Like, is that enough where somebody at your house would, you know, be interested and um, try to bring that player in? Oh, sure. Yeah, it, definitely. Um, and, and it wouldn't even take that much. It, it, it really, not that we're so low end or whatever, but, you know, I, I know $50 uh, a hand type players that, you know, we've taken them down to the Playboy Mansion. We've given them cruises. We, it, it actually doesn't take a ton of money to get what you want. It just takes more of a consistent play. Now, if you told me, hey, I got $10,000, I want to wire it from New Jersey, and I'm going to come in and I'm going to play for four hours at 100 My first thing as table management would be, who the fuck's this guy from New Jersey? Why is he wiring money in and is he going to clear us out? <laughs> That's my first thing. You're more worried about what can I get on my end, but on my end, I'm going to try and find out as much about you as I possibly can to begin with. Now, so would that start with like central? Like, would that be where you're looking for your information first of all, or are you reaching out to your contacts in other locations to see if anybody knows who that person is? um, The first thing I would do is I would find out you're from New Jersey, so I would try and hit up. I still call it Yonkers, but what it's Empire and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Empire, Meadowlands, uh, was it Freehold? Well, mm-hmm. Freehold, they don't. Do they have anything right now? I, I'm not. No. Positive. So free, Freehold is just horse racing. Meadowlands, they have a sports book, but they don't have a casino. Yonkers. And then Empire yeah, is the casino. That Empire right? has a casino. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then I would probably hit up Foxwoods, Mohegan Sun, and then whatever contacts I might have in Atlantic city, just say, Hey, do you know this guy? Is he on your radar? Now, if you're not on their radar, why you're coming to California and all of a sudden <laughs> hitting me up, that tells me that you're probably undercover on the East coast. There's something going on because if nobody knows you on the East coast, 
but yet you're flying in with this kind of money. I'm going to be like, what the fuck? Why, uh, why is this guy flying 3,000 miles away and he wants to be a known player and hit things up, but he doesn't want to do it in his backyard, okay. if that makes sense. Now, sure. if I do find out about you and everybody says, oh, yeah, he's a good player. He just goes all around. Is he an advantage player? No. You know what? Come on in. Let's go. We'll fly you out, whatever you need. You know, it, now that being, I don't know about for 10,000, but, but you, you understand what I'm saying. Sure. You know, I'll, I'll get you out here. As long as, as long as you're checking the boxes, um, are you a known player on the East Coast? Yes. Good. Is he an advantage player? Is that why he's known? No. Okay. Then let's, let's go from there. What kind of, what kind of back end comps do you want? Like, what are you looking once you come to us? Because you can get a hundred dollars a hand where you're at. So what are you looking from us that you want to come out here? I understand you're visiting or whatever, but we want to make it as best a visit for you. So the next time you visit your friends, you're coming to see us again. We're, we're going to want you to choose us over the other local casinos. So got it. So does it, so in, in my scenario, right. Where, you know, obviously I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to either our host or whatever. Does it make sense to build the narrative that I'm visiting friends in the area? Like does does that aid in the process of getting to it, the it does because it gives us your backstory. Like this guy's in New Jersey. Why the fuck is he flying here? We're in the middle of nothing. There's nothing here. Why why are you here? <laughs> but if you tell me, hey, I got, you know, my sister and brother in law, they live here, I'm coming to visit, but you know, I like getting some action going on. Friday, Saturday nights, that type of thing. Anything that you could tell me more about yourself makes me feel more comfortable about you, if Got that it. makes sense. I'm, I'm a big so fan. So if of you that. just come in and you're just you're telling me the least amount of information, and I'm picking up on what is this guy not telling me, I'm going to be very leery going forward. Got it. If you want more things, be it, be as open and honest as you can. Tell us what your wants are, you know, here, here's the type of action I'm usually doing, but I like getting a steak dinner at the end of the night, maybe a room, maybe we have a lot of concerts, you know, maybe some concert tickets. There happens to be a concert this weekend, whatever. Maybe I'm a big, you know, whoever might be playing at our casino. Maybe I'm a big fan of them and I'm flying out to catch their concert, that type of thing. You know, I want to play. How much would it cost me to get some tickets? You know, two hours, 50 bucks a hand. I guarantee you, you'll be sitting right up front. You know that type of wow. thing. I need I need to check out who's playing at your <laughs> venue. <laughs> I'm just giving generalities. I didn't, sure. I don't yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a yeah, yeah. But, it's, listen, but it's, it's, it's always, not binding. You know, but. for the for the people that are listening, you know, just you know, if you the more you tell us, the more we're likely to open up our end. The okay. the more secretive you are, the less we're going to give you because we our first motive is. The United States is innocent and proven guilty. Well, table or casinos are don't trust you until I trust you. It goes in reverse. And once I trust you, then what can I what can I do for you today? The minute you walk in is pretty much how we're going to go forward. But if you don't tell me anything about you, I can't do that because I don't know if you're setting us up for two days to where on that third day you're banging us for 50 grand or, or something like that, you know? So the more you tell me about you that I can look up or verify or whatever, the more I'm going to give you. That's just, it's the nature of the beast with us. Ours is don't trust until you can trust. And it it sounds shitty or whatever, but when you're talking, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars, it's, 
there's no choice. We have to go that way. Got it. Kelly, does Vince work at the place that your mom goes to? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, I, I mean, I saw a picture. Yeah, I've already the looked them up. The, Kelly, did, the, did Jay tell you that? What? That I, I looked you guys up after I we. He Jay did. He told me the story. I was like, oh, my gosh, yeah, that I is thought, weird. I guess I could tell her, Jay. When I, when I first heard that your name was Kelly Kuma, I'm like, okay, that's got to be her either her stage name or her podcast <laughs> name. <laughs> and she's dancing. Or something's Kelly, not right. It's Kelly to the main. And stage. then I got into the system, and there really was a Kelly Kuma. And I'm like, oh, shit, she's real. I'm like, that's really her name. I'm like, oh, I better not. Yeah. But Eric. now I feel comfortable enough I can tell you. That's yeah, hilarious. I, originally I thought it was your state podcast. <laughs> yeah. Thing, so. Eric, he replied to us. He's like, yeah, man, I knew uh, your wife was here on the 26th and you were here on this day last month. I'm like, holy shit. He's like, yeah, yeah, I know yeah, you guys I, are. That was pretty cool. If you look at. I, I can look at the history. Uh, I, I could tell how much you've won and lost for uh, your whole lifetime. I, yeah. I mean, and if you how look at my mom, trip, much- my, my mom is a three, four, five times a week person. <laughs> They're retired, and that is their place is, to go. Is she slots? Oh, yes, yeah. yeah, she's slots. Yeah, yeah I, I, I mean, I can look up all that stuff, but I, I didn't, you know, because, you know, living in a, in a or, I'm sorry, working in a local casino like we do, there's regulars. There's yeah. literally yes. Monday through Friday, you know, till 5 p.m., and then I got to <laughs> get home because my wife thinks I'm at work, oh, no. my husband thinks I'm at work, or... You know, so I was just wondering if she was a table games player because there's a probability that I know her. Because for years I was day shift, and then when I became management, I moved to swing shift. So uh, I pretty much know everybody except the early morning, you know, 3 a.m. type players. Right, yeah. She very rarely plays table games. She loves video poker. So that is literally like 90% of the time where where you will see her. Yeah. 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 Kelly's uh, mom is such a regular. Your property threw her a birthday party. Yes. Oh yeah. That sounds know. about. I don't know if we but, told you. But that. see what yeah. I'm saying? That that's another. We got to know her. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, she was we, there we, day one. You guys opened, but yeah. Yeah, we yeah, have we have so, the cards that are only uh, four or five numbers long. <laughs> that, <laughs> oh, that, yeah. that, that's our exactly. infancy card. That's how well, you know. <laughs> so is my employee number. There you go. You. See, yeah. So, <laughs> um, but that that falls into the whole. Um, you know, we're a localized casino. You become part of our family. There, there's people that have written us. Um, you know, we had a letter a year or two ago. The the guy was dying. He was an older guy, and he wrote us a letter. And he said, you know, other than four card poker and my pills, you guys, you're the only thing that's keeping me alive is my pills and four card poker. Oh. <laughs> and you know, he he writes a letter and says, you know, thank you guys. You guys are my family. You know, he had no kids, no wives. It's a very localized thing like that. And if we get to know you, it really does become that family type of atmosphere. Right. And obviously there's going to be some players where I've known you forever and you're a little short on a steak dinner. But you know what? You're getting a steak dinner tonight. You know, that type of thing, you know. And they were they were they were great. Like literally all I had to do is email her host Yep. And mm-hmm. from there, like immediately within like 24 hours, the head guy emailed me back, whatever you need, what what type of room do you need? We'll cover $2,000 at the dinner. Let me know if that's not enough. I'm like, great, fabulous. I mean, it was that easy. They're like, we love her. Yeah. We'd love to take care yeah. of her. All the like, head honchos came. And obviously that's that's birthday. the basics, too. You know, right. get get to know a host, get, get to know your host over and over and over. And even if you're coming in for 40 minutes today. Let your host know you were here today. Right. Yeah. 
Let right. them know every single time you're coming in there and then just always be on their radar and you will get more. Like I said, this ties into the, the more I know about you, the more you're going to get from us type of thing. You came in for 40 minutes, but last Saturday you were here for five hours. Tuesday you were here for three hours, but you came and saw me every single time, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I know when you're here and I, I know you now, you know, uh, it's still a business. Uh, we still have to keep it. There's certain guidelines and stuff we have to follow. But if I if I have any chance of bending those guidelines and I know you and, and you know, we've gotten to know each other over the years, I'm bending those guidelines. But if I don't know you, I'm it's the strictest guidelines ever written. Right. right. You know, if I if I don't know you. So, you know, get you know, if you're an advantage player or something like that, obviously you're under the radar. But if you're truly somebody that just in, uh, loves gambling and, you know, wants to get a little reward here and there, stay on our radar. Get your face out there. Don't just give me a card and never say a word the rest of the night. You know, talk to me. You know, right. tell me about yourself. Tell me, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah, you know, I'm out here on a Saturday. I was bored at home. What, as stupid a, a story as you might think it is, I'm getting to know you. Right. And the more I get to know you, the more comfortable I feel. I'm going to get you that steak dinner that you're $12 short on on your comps or, mm-hmm. or whatever. I'll get it for you. And my mom is the type valets and the host. She takes them cookies. She takes them <laughs> chips and her homemade salsa. They're always like, oh, Miss Cookenbaker. Oh, Miss Cookenbaker. You might want to get to know her mom, Vince. Table, table games. That's yeah, nice. Exactly. That's, yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't need any cookies. Yeah, see? <laughs> she, she, that's just her personality, though. It's like she would do it even if they didn't give her anything. Yeah. She just and, likes and to do that stuff. You know, Kelly, that's what's so funny, though. I have ladies that I've known for years. They'll bring me brownies. They, right. It they just literally like doing... becomes this family. Right. Atmosphere. Yeah. It's, it's customer service. It always goes a long way. Yeah. And, and it makes me feel good because obviously if they're bringing me brownies, they're it means thinking that, of you. Yeah. Right. And I've done my job and I've given them what they're they're looking for. Correct. So. Yeah. So a, a couple more questions before we uh, let you go, brother. Can you give us the reason why we cannot get craps in California? I've heard many different stories and angles, and we were actually going to have it, and the dealers were training, and as soon as it was coming, it was as fast as the whole idea got pulled. So can you dive a little more into that for us? There is something written into the compacts where you can't have dice or balls. So you can't do roulette with the ball. And you can't do craps with the dice. Okay. Now, here's a weird thing. At one point, we did have craps. San Diego had craps. And there was some place up north that had craps. Okay. But our craps was very different, and it sucked balls. <laughs> it was a dice game where there were cards involved. Okay. And what it was, was they would set up the cards. You would throw the dice. The dice determined what cards you flipped over. Right. And then those cards were the actual number. Now, somehow that got all the way around the legalities of it. But what happened was you throw a seven on the dice, but then you flip the cards over and it's a five. Right. It totally took the excitement. Everybody that was a dice player shit all over the game. Within a month or two, nobody wanted to play it. So technically you can play it. But not in the versions not in that everywhere else. Right, yeah. right. So I know they still have it in and Southern And the problem California, is, yeah. is that the version that we can give you, it's you cards. don't want to play. Right. Okay. <laughs> because you want to see, you know, if I'm rolling a seven, 
right right out of the shoot. You want the you want that goddamn thing to be a seven, right? You don't want it to be oh shit. What are the cards now? Number three and number four. Okay, number three is a two and number four is a three. It made it so shitty that within like I said a couple months it was no good. Now Bureau of Indian Affairs or whatever they're the ones that come down with those overriding guidelines or whatever. So from the way I understand it. Vegas has two things over us, sportsbook and craps. I'm sorry, yeah. crap. Those are the only two things that they're hanging on to anymore that you can't get 10 minutes away from most people's houses anymore with all the Indian gaming and, and everything else. Believe it or not, from what I understand, they're the ones that are fighting it. They're the ones that are putting money behind us not getting right. that stuff open. They want people to go to Vegas for some reason. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Other than the shows, now you have nothing. Right. I, I mean, it, there's a weird thing. Like Vegas and Atlantic City is a way that you can kind of compare it. Believe it or not, from the way I understand it, and Eric can probably verify this, Atlantic City per player actually makes more money than a Vegas player does, because Atlantic City, you're just going to gamble. Yep. There, in general, there's no shows. You're not really staying the fucking night. You're a day tripper from New York <laughs> that just wants to go down there, get some action, and get the hell out. It's pretty true. Uh, that's the reason why the lounges in Atlantic City are much better than elsewhere, because almost everybody is a, a day tripper. It could be New York. could be Philadelphia. It could be Maryland. But that's – and you're pulling from a – more affluent um, geographical area. Right. So you've got more people coming in, gambling more. And uh, I'd say occupancy at the hotels are pretty high, but that's only because they're willing to give it away. Right, I think, exactly. I, I think if the room comps dried up, there'd be a lot more day trippers. Yeah. Like I said, my dad lives in New Jersey and, and he's always been, you know, there's more money coming in from these day trippers than what Vegas was pulling in on, on a per person average. Now, that's the same instance for us here in California is why am I going to go to Vegas when I can go right down the street and get the same? In fact, I'm going to get three to two. If I go to Vegas, I'm not even sure I can find that anymore. Right. Okay. So we might not have the shows that Vegas has. You know, Vegas might have the Britney Spears and the Celine Dion's. We might have Frankie Valli and somebody else, you know. So you're not really coming for our shows in general. But if you just want to get away, you're coming to us. Okay, perfect. But it, that circle is getting smaller and smaller on what Vegas has and what everybody else doesn't. Right. On that, they have these huge mega resort casinos, but the gaming itself, there's no difference anymore. Right. So, from what I understand, they're the ones fighting California the most on craps and roulette in the traditional sense. Is it a hundred percent true? I'm not sure, but that's that's the way that I've been told. Okay. So. So on that same instance, do you think California gets on the sports betting bandwagon soon? Um, yes. Um, there, okay. there, is, there is, you know, think, think of how much – California is one of the biggest economies in the world, not just the United States, in the, in the world itself, California. And everybody goes to Vegas and they go to bet their favorite sports teams. Now, let's say – you're a Niners fan or a Raiders fan, and you have to go to Vegas to go get a bet down. But California, you're all Raiders, Niners, you know, whatever. If you could just go down the street, you would not believe the money 
that is going to flow in. Yeah. It will it will dwarf slots. It will dwarf um, uh, table games for sure. Um, slots, people have argued with me, but I, I just I know the numbers just from where we live on what's being bet in Las Vegas, and we're close to the fifty to sixty million dollar range just in our area, Jay. That is betting sports bets in in Las Vegas. Yeah, is around the sixty million, fifty-five to sixty million yeah. a year range. Now that's not people that can go every weekend. That let, let's say that you are placing a bet in Las Vegas from our area. What are you flying over? You're not going every weekend. There's no way. Right. So imagine how much money is going to flow if you could actually get down on a baseball game four and five nights a week when you're not even getting that money to Vegas. Or, or all the people that bet online that would just go to the casino to get real cash back, you know, instead right. of waiting. Which is, which is what I do. I do online poker and online sports betting um, because it's just not available to me. Right. And, you know, table games and slots, I've been in the business so long, it's just, it doesn't entice me like it used to. Yeah. You know, like, uh, like if I want to go blow some money, I'll buy $100 on roulette. And mostly I'm just messing around, drinking a beer. Or I'll play Pi Gal for a couple hundred dollars because I know my money's going to last and whoever the people I'm with are the ones that are actually, they're the ones that are excited to be in the casino. But that, that's just an example of just our area, Jay. Imagine if people could bet on sports every Everywhere. single yeah. day. You're right. right. Yeah, you're right. That's $60 million a year in Vegas. That it, it, it's once a month, twice, twice every three months. I mean, it's not people that are going over there very often from our area it's not like los angeles where it's a two-hour drive which still that's pretty rough but i mean you can get there and get your bets in and get back but uh, imagine if it was 60 million dollars if we just get a fraction of that yeah. it would dwarf a lot of what our casino does very true very so, true. Well, I, I uh, but yes you. i would bet that it's coming 100 percent. nice i can tell you as somebody who lives in a state that legalized you know pretty recently right not that I didn't have a way before, but the action has gone up considerably because the money just churns, right? So if you're looking right. to get down, you can get down. And like Kelly said, like, uh, you know, all right, if an ACH is going to take too long, you just go to the cage. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, right. it's, yeah, it, it, it makes a huge difference. So if it was $60 million and you're talking about once or twice a month, imagine the daily grind. Like your handle, your handle would be stupid. <laughs> right, exactly. And that's the thing, you know, I, I had always told my dad, um, you know, because Atlantic City was just dying, you know, look at what happened with Ravel. You know, this new casino opens up. It, it, it went through three owners. It couldn't even stay open down mm -hmm. there. And I told my dad, until you guys get sports betting in New Jersey, Atlantic City will die. I said, the minute you guys get sports book, it's going to be the first stage of flipping that city around. And it's already happening. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely driven tourism. Yeah, like there's there's more people coming more often. You know how that affects the bottom line. I'm not entirely sure because a lot of the, uh, with the exception of MGM and Caesars, everybody else kind of uh, uses a third party sports book out here. So I don't know how much is actually you know uh, hitting the casino's bottom line. Yeah. But, and, and, you know, that's the thing. Like out here, I know for a fact that places like William Hill and FanDuel, they're already putting their feelers out because they know it's coming and they want to be the first one to get their hooks in us. Yeah. And it gets them set up. Wow. And, and so it, it's just it's it's a go. It's just a matter of of when. When. Okay. So and then you know how it is. Once one gets it, 
they're all going to jump on and then you're going to oh, yeah. find it everywhere. It's just so like the legalization takes, of marijuana. Same thing. The yeah, states are realizing, oh, I can one. get that income yeah. and keep it in my state. Yeah, yeah be between marijuana it. and sports betting, California <laughs> should be doing pretty good here. Exactly. Within about five there should be no more debt. There should be nothing. So. Awesome. Well, Vince, it's been a pleasure, man. I'm sure we're going to have to have you on in the future, too, because I'm sure after people hear this, they're going to have a lot more questions. Absolutely. And I really Sorry do. if I was all over the place. No, hey, that's, used to this, that's so. the fun of this, man. I told you, our hour, our hour and a half would fly by, and it usually does. So, again, man, I appreciate the time. This has been a lot of fun. And, again... I appreciate you not holding back just for reaching out in the beginning. Hey, guys, I really like what you're doing. If you have questions, and here we are, man. So, again, it means a lot, man. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Yeah. We love Thank it. you guys for having me on. It was it was fun. I'd like to do this again. It Thanks, was good. Vince. Right. Yes. Thanks, Thank guys. You, Vince. Hey, Bye-bye. Vince, we'll have to do lunch sometime soon, too. For That's sure. Right. Hey, not a problem, man. Have a good one, brother. Thank you, man. Bye. Man, talk about a good time with a good person. Seriously, Vince, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. That means a lot. And again, for you, the listeners, if you guys enjoyed that interview, or if there's something we missed and you guys have questions, reach out to us on social media. Whether it be on Twitter or Facebook, we are at Vegas Confessions Pod. If you want to shoot us an email, you can do that too, VegasConfessionsPod at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you guys and would love your feedback. Do us a huge favor. Share the episode. Let friends know about us. Share it on your social medias. Again, guys, it means a lot. Do us a huge favor by leaving us a review. Five star to one star, whatever you may be. Be honest. Let us know how you guys are liking the episode. We appreciate all the feedback we can get. Again, I'm Julian, and until next time, guys, cheers. (laughs) 